Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is Independence Day Resurgence. 20 years after the original, we're here to watch the sequel. The long, long awaited sequel. Uh, we've seen it, so heads up, spoilers. Uh, don't listen if you haven't. Lloyd, uh, day one when I checked this, it was 7.5 on IMDb. And uh, as we speak, it's 5.8. <laughs> that is quite a dive. I thought, uh, I thought we'd get stuck into this one. And I was, I was hopeful, you know, uh, having 20 years to work on a script, having 20 years to work on a story. I was thinking, sure, I was going to get uh, some, some nice entertainment and a cohesive story, but uh, I was left a bit disappointed, and I'm sure we will get through all that. Let's take this podcast to remember the good old days, the first one, back <laughs> when happier times. <laughs> That's what all those photos of Will Smith were for. Yeah, I think he... They must have paid him a fortune just for two photos, wasn't it? I just counted two. One, the painting in the White House, and two, the photograph. There could have been more, but that's just from memory. Well, I sort of assume those are characters from the first film, and he's not acting in the second one. They can probably use the likeness because they own the first film. So if those are like production stills or something from the first film, they're just recycling. They wouldn't have to pay him, I wouldn't think. Yeah, but in uh, Alien 3, they had to pay... Uh, Michael Bean a fortune just to use a really bad image of him in uh, for Alien 3 that they killed him off and just for that image saying deceased, Bishop deceased, Newt the girl deceased, they uh, Michael Bay's agent got a lot of money out of him and Michael Bean's famous for saying I really regret that because David Fincher became this amazing director and uh, I hope one day he puts me in one of his movies <laughs> but it could be different like the, the contracts, I don't know I don't know what goes behind the scenes The night before I saw it I was talking to somebody about it and I said you know I'm really, the thing I'm most interested about is how they defeat the aliens because, you know, they're coming back 20 years on, so they're going to have, like, disintegration technology and better tech, you know, and they'll be tougher. And last time, spoilers for the first Independence Day, if you've come this far, the first time around, you know, Jeff Goldblum's character, David, uploads a cold and it's a virus that the shields go down and then they're able to take down uh, the alien crafts so I was like I hope it's not kind of a cop-out ending and I said I hope it's not like there's a queen bee alien and they kill her and then the rest of them just fly away and I was so sad when that was true <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because Avengers did that as well once they killed the mothership all the drones sort of like went down and I, I found the design of Independence Day like a lot of people always go it's a ripoff of Geiger like uh, specifically Alien and I guess that come, came to fruition when we actually saw an alien queen um, in Independence Day 2 as the mother you know of, of all the aliens I really love bees and I love the hive and I love aliens how there's a queen and I, I find that so interesting and uh, yeah the, the designs of the aliens I, I always thought in Independence Day were really cool I love the look of their ships I love the look of their flying saucers and i love the how the aliens are inside an exosuit well i mean this is uh what roland emmerich's you know latest in uh, disaster films you know he did uh day after tomorrow he did the first independence day he's kind of an expert in this craft but as well the idea where the alien ships pick up portions of the planet and then slam them back down like that was age of ultron as well um, yeah, and also a lot in uh, Man of Steel. Which, I mean, they're borrowed ideas. I'm, I know there's no original ideas, but when you're thinking of alien technology, surely you can kind of come up with something fresh or semi-original. I didn't feel like this was original at all. For me, Independence Day Resurgence felt like if I told you they made a sequel to Independence Day that was coming straight to DVD, that this would be that film. Like, almost not worthy of a theatrical release i had problems with the casting i'm going to get into later but i mean even straight from the the bat the film opens with like a dream sequence from the former president uh bill pullman's character and in his dream sequence the aliens appear to be monitoring 
like and zoomed in on his speech. So they've got him up on a screen and they kind of zoom into a picture of him as if they're zooming into the planet to see him delivering his iconic speech from Independence Day. Great speech. Not going to deny it. He gets a not as good speech in this film, but they zoom in and he's in Australia in in the opening map. And I was immediately confused and put off. I thought he was in Area 51. Well, he is, but <laughs> I know it's a dream and that's how they get away with this, but I wonder if each print in each country, they had it in their country, like a map of their country, and then, then the president appears. Like if it was like a little touch, you know, nodding to us because we we're watching the film in Australia. The the aliens are after the magma core of the planet. Correct. They're not after res- resources. Why don't they just get the, the core from Mars or you know or, or mercury or some other planet why specifically earth it's it's so rich in other resources like water gold or whatever um and nature and livestock and true etc like why aren't they harvesting that like do you think that would be the main objective of the aliens it was just such a shock like i never thought that that was the reason in the first independence say that the aliens were after the magna core magma core whatever it's the core of the earth and it's implied in this they did start drig- uh, uh, drilling um before the um mothership was destroyed by jeff goldblum and um causing all the aliens to go you know yeah like zombie like yeah no they they take that trip to africa with the uh, african warlord and for some reason they decide to go up and look in that alien ship in pitch black of night which makes no sense for me, that whole set of Africa was the fakest-looking set I've ever seen. I was really annoyed watching that whole sequence. Like, the rocks looked just like they'd just been spray-painted and I could tell everything was a green screen. Anyway, they basically tell us that in exposition that they were drilling the first time to get the magma core, which, you're right, Mars would be much better for a magma core. Like any other planet. Like, they could have destroyed three planets before hitting Earth and like, oh, this one's got resistance. You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure in the first one, like when Bill Pullman got caught, got captured by an alien and he was able to read his thoughts, he said they, they um, destroy other planets and take all their resources. I'm pretty sure this whole after the core thing was just written in for the sake of this movie. Yeah, and... Uh Everybody talks about how the long-haired scientist dies in the first one, and now he's just in yeah, a I coma. Yeah, I thought he died in the first one. Brent Spiner, who's Data in Star Trek. Mm. But he's alive in this one because it's convenient. And tell me, was that Robert Logia? Yeah, Logia or Logia. Um, I, I, he's. I'm not sure if that was CGI or if they. Filmed I really that feel like it was died. CGI because they dedicated the film to him. But uh, the other guy dies as well. In real life, the the guy who he fires, like the Secretary of Defense who he fires, I can't remember his actor's name, I'll look it up in a sec. He died in real life too, but the film was only dedicated to Robert Loggia or Logia. Um, and it did look very much like CGI to me. I'm glad I wasn't the only one because I thought, amazingly, how would they film that one scene and, like, was he alive for that? And, you know. I like it how the Earth... Um, this has been since the aliens have come down. Humans have defeated the aliens. We've all come together because there's an alien threat. Like, I'm assuming racism is pretty much uh, gone, eradicated. Yeah. Um, which is uh, pretty interesting times with the whole Brexit thing. <laughs> the movie um, should be doing really well. Independence Day. Um, and so the, the whole world has come together for, uh, and they've made, there's such a te- we're such a technologically advanced race now. It's 2016. We've got people on the moon and we've got so many, so much more weapons. We're ready for an assault. It seems like this culture that's portrayed in the film is war ready they train these expert fighter pilots they have uh, weapons that surround the entire earth i love all that about i thought that's fantastic the moment i knew this film was in trouble was how terrible um Liam Hemsworth's uh, brother what's his name no, Liam Hemsworth is the actor in this film Liam Hemsworth okay yeah. sorry who am I thinking of Thor you're thinking of Chris Hemsworth yeah Chris Hemsworth <laughs> my gosh Liam Hemsworth uh, the moment he started talking with his uh, buddy friend and then uh, immediately we have an action scene I just went oh, okay now we're in trouble you know <laughs> it's such a forced action sequence at that point well that forced action sequence was really just to show he was like Top Gun and that he didn't have to listen to rules 
rules and and I, it would have been good just to show him as a really good pilot there like he's able rather than just cut to a whole immediate action sequence the whole ship the whole base is in danger of blowing up i was just like oh my gosh this is such a dated technique it all the jokes in this movie all the characters in this movie felt like sonic from the 90s and i think that was a, a huge objective of this film because the producers saw this huge monumental success of jurassic world and went right let's take the success of jurassic world take an uh, an idea from the 90s let's remake that let's push that let's play everything to 11 so to speak and uh, it did, didn't work for me at all uh the actor james rebhorn or reborn uh was the actor who died previously just to cap off that story he wasn't uh the film wasn't dedicated to him but it was yep. dedicated to robert loggia the aliens have had 20 years to be ready we've had 20 years to be ready the thing that amazed me was that uh, orbital system of satellites that they had How set up. How quick it went down. <laughs> I burst out laughing. <laughs> I was like, what a waste of time and money that I, was. I don't think the aliens... Like, there is a part when Liam Hemsworth and his crew take over the ships when they're caught inside the, the mothership and they start hijacking all the ships. They're going, man, they haven't changed their technology at all. Uh, the, the, how I understood that was they're only just getting the signal like... Um, uh, that their or- original fleet has been destroyed by the humans. Mm. And, and then like, they've been the travelling. And then they've been travelling. So I don't think it's an, uh, they've had 20 years to prepare for it. They just went, wow, uh, one of our little fighters had, uh, have, have been destroyed. Let's send over a big queen to take care of them. Well, this is it. I mean, uh, from the sounds of things, when the queen dies, the rest of the fleet find another queen. So they would have travelled off and found the queen we see in this movie. And then presumably the word would have passed on that this is when they died. And then for some reason, the whole ship then comes to Earth again. Like, so they've been traveling the whole time, correct? For me, one thing I noticed was that everybody had like daddy issues. Uh, the old president's daughter, you know, has daddy issues. Her dad is, well, I thought for a while that he's sort of going in and out memory-wise, like maybe he had Alzheimer's, the president, but he was pretty lucid at the end when he shaves his beards, that beard was really weighing him down. Um, Will Smith's kid, obviously, uh, you know, his dad died in, in like a test flight. And he's burdened with living up to the legendary exactly. status of his dad. Yeah, and the hangar's named after him. And then like Liam Hemsworth talks about how the last thing he said to his parents was that he hated them. So he's got issues with his parents. The African king, the warlord, his dad just died. So now he's in charge. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's dad is obviously in the film. He's miss- missing in action for, for most of it, but there's kind of their whole relationship. And for the Chinese market, we've introduced a Chinese character, and uh, she has uh, an uncle who dies who may as well be a father figure uh, throughout the whole film. And, I mean, the only mother issue we have is Vivisha A. Fox, who plays Jasmine, uh, Will Smith's partner from the first film. Uh, she's obviously aged 20 years, so... Um, she's given up stripping and over the over the 20 years has got her qualifications turned her life around she's the doctor maybe the head of you know whatever part of the hospital that was man um she's turned her life around from stripper to doctor and then she basically had a glorified cameo didn't she i like vivica fox i think i think she's 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 a good um uh, uh, she, she's a very funny actress. She's been in a lot of uh, Disney movies that I've seen, and she's actually really funny. You just don't obviously see that side in, in a movie like this. <laughs> it reminded me a little bit of San Andreas, the way she went down. Um, oh, yeah, I, thought that, I thought how she died was terrible. Yeah. And the, the sun just happens to be there at that moment, just like, oh, my God. It gives him somebody to fight for, really, because... Unless he watches Will Smith die, you know, then he hasn't had that personal attack from the aliens. But it's just so convenient that he's there, sort of thing, at that moment. Yeah. Just like, oh my God. Uh, can we talk about the current president, the female Madam President at the beginning of this film? Uh, what do you think of her? Well, she seems like a really hardline president. Like, is she president of the world? No, I assume America. America, because she was the one who gives the go-ahead to shoot down the uh, alien craft, which ends up being an ally to them. And uh, but she obviously had to take a council before she before she hit um, t- 
before she said, yeah, push the button. I, I, I miss Bill Pullman. I was hoping Bill Pullman would just become president. You know what I mean? No, nothing against her or anything, but just like because Bill Pullman was there, I was just like, can't he be president? <laughs> well, that's exactly what I thought. I thought at some point she would die and that the next person in line would have been him because he had been a former president. Like, for some reason, he would have been put back in charge. Rather than uh, William Fritchner became uh, president by default. Well, he was next in line or whatever, which I guess, you know, they're doing a chain of command thing. That's fine. And, uh, you know, I can live with it. It's just um, I I wanted him to have more of a presidential impact. Yeah, he just oozes charisma, Bill Pullman. He He was so well cast in Independence Day 1 as the president. And I love it how they built him up. Like, in the first one, how, like, his uh, polling numbers were down. People were saying he isn't that great of a president. I remember he, him watching the news and the reporter says, or, or there was a panel like CNN saying, oh, they wanted a war, They everyone elected a war hero, but what they got was a wuss. So, you know, his president, Candace, um, uh, period hasn't been that great, but this war has really pushed him to the edge and he's really shown his true colours. He is a man to lead them against these aliens, um, which which was a great little subplot in um, Independence Day 1. As President Whitmore, yeah. Um, I remember at the end of the film, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character, David Levinson, is he gets together with somebody, like his wife or his ex-wife. Yeah, she just wasn't in this, and they never had <laughs> the a... Th- French, the French um, reporter or something. Uh, she, she was like a fling he had before. Like, she studies alien language and psycho psychoanalysis or something. Yeah, she's like an anthropologist, but for aliens. I, I have a note here, and I wrote, she's a bit nothing, and where is his wife? Because, you know, they never explain what happened to her, and a nice throwaway line would have, would have solved the whole thing for me, but... Um, Where's that actor they could have gone, oh my gosh, i got to call my doctor. I feel like he died, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he died oh okay not, not in 100%. real life uh, no no in the movie i think he in the movie oh i see yeah i think in the context of the film he didn't make it now the reports say after the aliens attack the first time that they expect the devastation to be beyond imagination however 20 years ago they were all attacked in exactly the same manner and billions of people died or whatever it was so they can't even imagine the same sort of damage like same things happened you know what I mean? Like, uh, anyway, <laughs> they like to get the landmarks. That was amusing. Yeah, that, that made a great moment for the trailer. Mm. What do you think of Jeff Goldblum in this movie? Do you reckon he was the best part? In terms of acting, he's very believable and it's great to see him return for this. But in terms of the plot, at the end, he's there to activate the shield that holds them, the queen in. And then he's kind of just on that bus for no particular reason. Oh, jeez, wasn't that the worst moment in the film? The alien queen being able to shoot down these fighter jets, but she can't get a school bus? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, my eyes are rolling. I went, this, this is... You've lost me. This, this movie's just getting way too dumb now. <laughs> well, the dumb thing there for me, the most dumb part, was that she, who... Um, she's uh, Whitmore's daughter... But for me, she looked like a budget version of Teresa Palmer, who you couldn't get in the movie. She was shooting at the Queen, and she has her own personal shield, the Queen. So she just shoots at her enough times that the shield goes down. I was frustrated because I was like, well, that's not how that works. Like, the the shield is going to stay up despite you shooting it a few times you know that's just maybe she weakened it (laughs) it was convenient it was just a matter of convenience because remember the alien shields were up through nukes and stuff in the first film yeah that's a good point well it did that alien queen did survive a nuke from bill pullman yeah and yet she shoots it down what i what i don't understand about that ending is the alien queen calls for all the fighter jets to surround her like a hive of bees right yeah why aren't they attacking and like it seemed like everyone could still shoot at the queen the shields weren't doing anything yeah that was frustrating yeah why is the queen the only one hammering away at the top why isn't everyone shooting at that place so the alien can get the logic in this film just baffles me absolutely baffles me like did they even uh, uh, proofread the script like (laughs) no wonder Will Smith didn't agree to doing to, to do this well I mean in a hive mentality if you think about bees if the queen was getting attacked the bees would defend the queen so having that spiral of spinning defense once they're in there shooting at her you feel like they would realize or if they communicate telepathically with each other 
then I feel like the Queen would be like, I'm in danger, and they would break that formation. But It felt like all of Area 51 was under attack by this huge wave, uh, this huge assault by the Queen and all the fighter pilots, and then it just felt like the Queen versus everyone, yeah. and all the fighter pilots just disappeared. I didn't understand that at all. Back in Area 51, partway through the film, when uh, President Whitmore, Bill Pullman, he says, just make sure you get some answers, and he goes in with the alien. Uh, the alien wraps its tentacle around his neck and it speaks, you know, using Bill Pullman's body. They got exactly zero answers in that whole sequence. What exactly did they get again? Well, they said, why are you afraid of this symbol? And showed them the circle. And then it kind of freaked out. And that's about it. <laughs> like, it was just a nod to the first film. It was like trying to grab that Jurassic World nostalgia, like you mentioned. You know, just that introduction of the kids where they save the old man and uh, from his boat, you know, that sort of slowed the whole film down for me. Those kids didn't need to be in there. They were never in any particular danger. They weren't somebody else in the movie's kids. Everyone had to be paired off in this movie. Like, Floyd, the accountant guy, was paired off with the African warlord. Yeah. Um, the hot Asian pilot uh, paired off with... Um, that comedy relief oh he was terrible uh who's uh Li- liam hemsworth's friend um i think he's played by the actress uh travis tope I-, I thought he was terrible in this i didn't find him funny at all like all his humor seemed really forced yeah the young guy uh, yeah the young guy like uh, all his jokes seemed so dated like the like something from the late 90s uh, uh jake morrison uh, obviously played by liam hemsworth um, he's obviously paired off with the daughter of Bo- uh, Bill Pullman. Jeff Goldblum, as you said, is paired off with the French reporter or French anthropologist. Jeff Goldblum's dad is paired off with the kids. That's why the kids are in this. Brent Spiner is eventually paired off with the alien drone. You know, just like, oh my gosh. And at the end, when they save the day and they're all high fiving each other and they're all, you know, together and everyone's paired off and they're like setting up for a third film, I, I was just like staggering out of the cinema, just going, what the hell was that? <laughs> if they go ahead with a third one, would you want to see that? To be honest, uh, well, we should see it for the podcast, but. To be honest, um, they would they mentioned that like spherical alien had a planet or a place where it was training people refugees. On, yeah, which would mean there's a that's where they would go to. But Holland, that alien is from a race of people that fought the aliens um and then she's the last one the sphere she's is the, the last one yeah the sphere is the last one so she developed a planet to train refugees to to fight back the aliens which would be kind yep. of a men in black style mix of all these different races yes and then so she comes back to earth and she's like the only one she couldn't send somebody else like she's that important to this refugee planet they shoot it down the us humans she wakes up and then goes oh you guys have to kill me otherwise the queen alien's gonna know i'm here that, that whole storyline mm. that whole storyline was just stupid i really like i like the idea I, I just wish they revealed the information better rather than her having you know to say all that like, i wish they could have i don't know just i'll give you a better story already ready her she's there to like interdimensionally travel them back to her homeworld and save them as a species right oh yeah because she opened up that portal um on yeah. the moon that's right. yes i see You're so right. then what should happen is the sphere should say i've been damaged in the crash and i'm in the process of repairing myself but i fear i won't repair myself in time then at the end of the film repairs are complete and that sets up your third one because then, you know, she can inter... I'm saying she, but, you know, alien. Uh, the sphere can interdimensionally travel them back to the home world she's set up with the refugees. This whole sentence sounds ridiculous, but... <laughs> but Well, it just seemed like um, Ellen... Uh, what's his name, the director? Er, um, Roland Emmerich. Roland Emmerich. Uh, like really wanted us to be going, yeah, at the end of that, yeah. you know, getting charged up for the battle... Um, for the f- third one, which is this all-out assault 
on the alien planet. For me, at the very end, when the scientists and people walk out of Area 51 and William Fitchner, the now president of America, uh, walks out, Charlotte Gainsborough is like just to his side because she's got nothing to do in this film. She's just there so Jeff Goldblum's character has somebody to bounce exposition off. She was frustrating too because both her and uh, Angela Baby, the Chinese actress, both of them stuffed up a couple of their lines. Their delivery was just kind of subpar um, and noticeably so. Like, uh, I turned to Tess and I was like, what What was that? Like, you know, it felt like they'd only done one take of some lines or they were saying things phonetically uh, because Angela Baby is uh, Chinese and... Uh, Charlotte Gainsborough is French so maybe English isn't their first language so you know maybe they weren't quite comfortable with the heavy you know exposition and so forth but for me like I mentioned the whole straight to DVD thing like if you told me this was a, a DVD sequel for me I mentioned that's budget Teresa Palmer right playing the daughter the guy who played the warlord felt like it should have been Mr. Echo from Lost the um I know the scientist's buddy was in the first film um, but it felt like he should have been Mandy Patinkin. <laughs> the, he did look like Mandy Patinkin in a lot of scenes, a criminal minds guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the president should have been Marsha Gay Harden, but wasn't. Floyd was played by a guy who should have been John Oliver, but wasn't. So each person, I was like, oh, they look familiar enough that we're meant to go, oh, I know them from somewhere. Like, if you... Yeah, th- these are the proxies they could get. Like, if you can't afford um, uh, Jack Nicholson, you get Michael Ironside. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, did you look at Will Smith's son, who's played by Jesse T. Usher, and did you think, oh, I've seen him in something? Yeah, I did, actually. Yeah, but he hasn't been in anything. I'm not even kidding. Like, he was in Without a Trace, one episode, Hannah Montana, one episode, Lincoln Heights, one episode, Numbers, one episode, As a Robber, um, The Mentalist, one episode, Criminal Minds, one episode, Summer Camp, one is a TV movie, possibly Disney. Uh, He played a basketball teenager. He was in a G.I. Joe Renegades TV series. Did you watch that? (laughs) No. Well, he was just the voice of something, so don't worry. Um, like I'm, I could go through the whole lot, but he hasn't been in anything we've seen. But they, everybody just looks familiar. You Can know? you think of any memorable lines from this movie? Because the first one, Independence Day, that was huge, huge for us. The marketing campaign was so brilliant. Never since War of the Worlds have has a marketing campaign fooled people. Like, the way it was marketed, these ads would come on, like, as if it was a news report. And they're like, oh, what's going on? And then you'd see from a, a point of view of a news cameraman an alien ship appearing um, in the distance. And everyone going, wow, so people actually thought this was real, like, in some countries, because that's, that's how it was projected very similar to Orson Welles' War of the Worlds in the the late 30s, early 40s. Um, and also, when the film did finally come out, we all saw it, we had never seen special effects like that. It's just like, wow, this is so amazing. But what made the film so memorable, and, and I'm not saying Independence Day is a great movie. I loved it when I was a kid. I tried to watch it again recently. I fell asleep like three times. But Will Smith was so great in that he had so many great lines and a lot of the cast had really awesome lines there were a lot of funny characters in there like i'm just embedded with that guy going oh my gosh i gotta call my mother i gotta call my lawyer he was funny and then will smith had some awesome lines i just can't wait to kick et's ass you know that sort of thing something you want to add to this briefing captain hiller no sir just a little anxious to get up there and whoop et's ass that's all (laughs) (laughs) dismissed Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. And, and then when Will Smith is dragging that alien, he goes, what the hell is that smell? And he starts <laughs> kicking the alien. Can you think of any memorable lines right now from Independence Day 2? Well, I wrote down Whitmore's speech, <laughs> word for word. <laughs> Go ahead. It goes, it wasn't luck last time. It was our resolve. We all have to fight till our last breath and that will lead us to victory. Which is obviously no good compared to the first speech. Oh, I love the first speech. Let's let's celebrate our Independence Day. <laughs> but that was a reference for all of humanity to unite. You know, it's not just an American thing. It's just this idea we're, we're just going to go. I, even, I think he even says that we're going to live on. We're going to fight on. And you're in the cinema as a kid going, yes. <laughs> yeah, go humans. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
as well, they tried to nod to that in terms of like uh, Will Smith's kid saying it's the Fourth of July, so let's show us some fireworks. He had no charisma. Yeah, like Will that Smith. wasn't well My delivered. Gosh, yeah, I found it like it really took me out of the film every now and then when they delivered lines. Yeah, it was frustrating. Well, you know when Bill Pullman comes back and he shaved, he shaved off his beard and everyone salutes him. Did did your liver hurt at that point from the cringe? <laughs> I just went, oh. Well, unfortunately. The publicity, like they're doing TV ads and stuff, and I've seen that he shaved his beard, so it, it wasn't a surprise. I uh, did know that was going to happen. So I'm, it's good I'm, he still got his pilot skills up. I'm surprised. Like they should have had a moment where he stuffs up, puts puts it in reverse, and goes, oh, "I don't actually know how to fly this." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I found some stuff incomprehensible uh, when the aliens landed and they did that big aerial fly, uh, fight, which is where the money was on screen. You know. Obviously, the special effects made this a $200 million movie. They did kind of a pulse thing that knocked down all the satellites. And, I mean, that's really what the aliens should have done from the start. Um, I found that really stupid. But, obviously, we wouldn't know what was happening in terms of it being a better movie. It makes no sense, logically, why they didn't do that earlier. But if they did, then the humans wouldn't be able to communicate and wouldn't... (laughs) Everything. Like, (laughs) would have been a whole different movie. Did, did you like the subplot of those uh, people on the boat who were trying to get the gold? It was you know, not um, really. Some of the technology <laughs> didn't make sense. Like, obviously, they've got these helicopters now that don't require helicopter blades and stuff, yet there's still boats that are very... Uh, Primitive. I want to say... Pr- primitive yeah. in a sense what to, compared to the world that you projected in the opening of this movie like it, it didn't annoy me too much but some of the things just took me out of it like they're still using like a very old radio like their ship just seems so dated they don't have any high-tech stuff but um yeah that little subplot with that that um british boat is there monitoring how much the core um how close the aliens are to getting to the core <laughs> and did that alien ship just leave at the end well, I mean, the Queen died, so that's what happens. So so the Queen died and the ship just went on autopilot and flew away? Yeah. Okay. It really frustrated me, that countdown. They were like, there's four minutes till it drills yeah. to the molten core. <laughs> that was so annoying. It was the longest four minutes. Yeah, it's, again, a lot of this is just really dated technique. Like, Roland Emmerich is coming from a time when I think he still believes this is all new and this is all fantastic. Mate... Go watch Avengers. Go watch, you know, the latest stuff that comes out every month. Like, uh, us as uh, as audience are so spoiled. We've seen so many awesome things, you know. You can't just throw these late 90s tropes at us and expect us to still find it funny. Because they, they weren't. They were just so dated. I kept thinking as we're getting, you know, 60 seconds till this drill gets through. You know, they're doing the entire battle in those four minutes. I did think it was funny they only had four minutes to save the world, which is that Madonna-Justin Timberlake song. Anyway, the drill, I was thinking, this drilling is happening like it's a momentum thing that it's drilling down. It's not going to be able to suddenly stop it. Like, the momentum will carry it into the molten core. At least for an extra couple of minutes. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. And then as well, I was thinking, you've still got a massive hole almost to the molten core of the planet. Like... The molten core surely will then melt what's left or, you know, they're like, since it's in water, the pressure of the water will then crack what's left of that tiny remaining bit to get to the molten core. I was thinking it's definitely ruined the planet. I I like it how this movie always reflected back to loss of what happened like we're always reminded how much the aliens made an impact on earth like everyone has suffered loss like either their families yeah like there's the idea i got in this world there's so many orphans because so many parents died and all these kids are left now without any parents yeah that part was really interesting i felt that should have been uh like a a little bit more to the plot like it should have been a little bit more centralized like everyone in this movie has suffered a loss from these aliens and if there is a third one even more so because i'm assuming this big mothership has wiped out a huge percentage like obviously of europe and of asia like when they said it's landing on the pacific where in the pacific all of it you know it's literally wiped out a huge portion of the the human race you know when in that massive ship first arrives and it just nudges the White House? So it, it lands and it just stops short of the White House. Was that, was that a payout? Because the, obviously the most iconic image probably of the last 30 years, or 20 years I should say, is Independence Day 4 with the alien ship blasting the White House. 
that's the most iconic image I think in 20 years like I'm not exaggerating it's is certainly that like iconic a, yeah um, yeah is that like the most is that a comedic reference to it well I mean that it doesn't get destroyed this time yeah, it doesn't get destroyed that's what I mean I yeah. assume so but yeah <laughs> okay for me like two things one again the momentum of the alien spaceship it would have been great if it kind of just crumbled like <laughs> But, like, it was destroyed in a much weaker way would have been funnier. Like, if it was just kind of crumbled apart. Anyway, uh, secondly, like, they rebuilt the White House after the first film, like, and they didn't make any improvements. It's exactly the same. I thought they did make improvements. They added all this other stuff to it, just futuristic stuff. All right, I'm going to have to take know. your word for it. Yeah, yeah, don't take my word for it. Just uh, that That's just from memory. I just remember seeing when they're delivering that whole speech in the... Um, the mall section I've, been, I've actually been to Washington but that whole mall section just seemed really futuristic to me and I just remember the, the White House being really advanced but I, I could have remembered it wrong I don't know I, I gotta ask when the when they fly into the mothership their initial attack has failed they decide to fly into it and it's a trap right and then you have all those pilots running around they're escaping the aliens and then they hijack alien ships like Liam Hemsworth actually takes a, a leak in front of the aliens and flips like, them off, yep. And, and flips them off. What happened to the other pilots in there? It seemed like there were several of them that still survived. Like, not. It, it just seemed like four of them survived, two to each plane, and then they got out. It just seemed like more pilots were there, like a blonde-haired chick. I remember, I remember other I could have remembered that wrong. Well, I mean, if they did make it out in ships, then they were in other ships. Uh, there were a couple that exploded, and I guess they thought those were Liam Hemsworth. You know, they get that fake out where they're like, Jake, and, you know, they think he's dead. Those those could have been the other pilots. For me, it was like, well, they're not core characters. They're not important to the story. I, yeah, I think I ignored okay. them. It's just weird how they were able to survive. Like, they don't seem to have good internal security once you're inside the ship. Why not land... 10 crack units of SAS in there to run around and screw things up. I'm sure they'd do a lot of damage. I, I don't know. And the big thing for me, one of the big things for me, is when they're holding out against the sphere, they're trying to stop the aliens from getting in, and Brent Spiner, the African warlord, and uh, Floyd all have got guns, and they're holding out against the sphere, and these aliens are trying to get through the door. Like, the aliens are projected like as pretty good, pretty powerful. They're killing soldiers left, right, and center, yet... Brent Spiner, who's probably never fired a gun, Floyd, who never fired a gun till that moment, and granted the um, the African warlord's pretty good. They're just at the door firing, holding out against everything. It's just so baffling, the, this, the logic in this movie. Well, Brent Spiner's character, Dr. Brackish Oaken, Dr. Oaken, he was in a coma for 20 years, so his muscle mass should be terrible. Yeah, and he didn't look like he ate anything or anything. Surely he'd be dehydrated. Well, they had tubes, but, you know, like, once he's (laughs) disconnected from those, yeah. Um, What about the fact that the warlord can speak, like, an alien language and write it pretty convincingly, like he's been just studying it casually? (laughs) (laughs) You know, just just (laughs) because... I like how the spear uh, says, you know, it's quickly deciphered our primitive language, which is like a little burn, which, you know, could have been played to more comic effect. The sphere is essentially a fish out of water. It doesn't know anything about the human race. And it would have been amusing if it pointed things out, you know. Uh, it could have been the comic relief that the third act really needed. Yeah, I thought they should have scrapped it entirely. Like, have the sphere, but don't have it like something that they could talk back to or having a voice i think the information should have been revealed differently but i went into this film with two expectations one was that bill pullman's president whitmore would die which he did and i really actually thought that jeff goldblum's dad would also die because there's a shot in the trailer where he appears to be in the line of you know the alien ships arriving uh but i guess he's a beloved character and not everybody's dad can die in this film otherwise (laughs) It's too obvious, you know? Well, we waited a long time for this sequel because we always heard rumours back and forth. Back when we did our podcast on which 
alien race would win if they all came down to worth and fought each other like we're talking aliens from movies um we both agreed by the way independence day aliens would win because they're just so high tech the sequel has finally come out it's just so belated so bloated so dated really mind-numbingly stupid (laughs) and i mean i guess if we just talk about the possibility of a third one probably that should be the last one oh definitely or if they do a third one i guess they do a part one part two kind of epic to end the whole thing because they want that extra money and as I said, I think that they would interstellar kind of travel to a new universe. Yeah, we get an introduction of new races. Yeah, definitely. Other species on that world that the sphere has been going on about. And I'm also assuming they'll have a love triangle between the three pilots, you know, the Jake Whitmore's daughter and um, Dylan, who's Will Smith's kid. Do you think there'll be like 20 years no. After? No, no, no. it'll just be right after a show. Obviously, they have to try and uh, get it out as quickly as possible to capitalize. Otherwise, we're not interested. (laughs) I don't know. It felt very cheap to me. For a $200 million movie, it shouldn't feel cheap. Yeah, it didn't feel as epic as the first one. The first one felt like the whole world was at stake. Everyone was trying to hold off. Like, there was that brief moment where Bill Pullman says, oh, this is how to defeat the aliens, send the word out. And then uh, by Morse code, we see Japan, we see... We're sorry, we see Asia, we see um, Europe, all going, oh, that's how you defeat them. Gosh knows how they got all that information through Morse code. But this one, it just seems so much smaller, how they were just... It's them versus one big alien queen that's trying to get to the sphere. Yeah. It didn't have that vastness to it. And I mean, as well, we've had 20 years to nail special effects. And the only thing in this film that's really super different from the last film is the Queen, which is saved for the final kind of 20 minutes. Um, Everything else is not super advanced. It's all stuff that was done for the first film. Yeah. So, I mean, I felt like like it wasn't super new. And seeing a little bit of stuff on the moon didn't fix that for me. So, I think it bodes kind of badly for Ghostbusters just because I feel like we're seeing a lot of intellectual properties just destroyed (laughs) boy people really got angry when you know Transformers was raping their childhood and since then yet yet it's so successful same thing with um, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Uh, yet it's so successful you know like I've I've had my spill of Transformers I've uh, I could have my spill with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because those two franchises I loved when I was young, but uh, I, I see so many people enjoying this uh, Transformers. I do know a lot of people who love one. Are they up to four now for Transformers? Yeah, uh, it's five or six, but I have also dropped Is off. It's a five. Well, yeah, I, I I haven't seen past the first one. But if people love it that much, you know, why not? It, it's like I never got into Twilight or anything like that. I'm sure they're fun for for that generation you know that's your thing i have no problem Mm. so for ghostbusters uh that'll be the next one we cover you're going in with high hopes you've seen the trailer yeah no i'm going i'm going in with an open mind uh definitely yeah I've, i've seen the trailers um ghostbusters is one of my favorite movies of all time and i just have to let that go now like i did with transformers like i did with um teenage mutant ninja turtles although i haven't seen the latest teenage mutant ninja turtles or anything like that um so i'm, I'm just gonna go in blank like let's see what we got yeah, yeah. <laughs> well fingers crossed um i'm hoping ghostbusters is good I did just rewatch one and two. I love one and two. I love the second one so much. Like the first one's obviously my favorite, but everyone pays out the second one. I thought the second one's fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm more a fan of the first one, but yeah, uh, the second one's good. It's so interesting, and I'm sure we'll talk about it all next week. But for me, the danger sort of is that all right, ghosts in the first two films are sort of just there and annoying people and scaring people. Um, like in the first one in terms of lives in danger there's not many people who are in danger of like dying if you will until they sort of uh, key master gatekeeper and then they bring out the stay puff marshmallow man uh, when they bring him in you know he's destroying buildings a little bit you know he's stomping through streets so people are sort of in danger then in the third act in the second film the painting is coming to life you know, wants to be reborn. And the only person who's really ever in danger is the baby. You know, it's looking for a body to go into, Vigo or whatever it is. Uh, the ghost, you know, the, through the ooze, uh, basically wants to take a new form. And so nobody's ever really in any kind of life-threatening danger. And so it's sort of family-friendly, the second one, you know? So in this new one, 
I'm mm. thinking people are just going to get scared by ghosts and maybe in 2016 do we want to see ghosts that are a genuine threat well physically like like can actually hurt. well i saw some form of possession with that. um it, yeah in the trailer i think it's uh, chris, hemsworth. chris hemsworth okay yeah. geez they're australian i should tell them <laughs> this is embarrassing and I've, I've, I've how many podcasts have we done i've seen them in so many movies um but yeah, like I saw a form of possession, so I don't know if they can actually get in there and force them to jump off a building or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think they'll do that. It's going to be way more family friendly. I was thinking um, there's shots of crowds in the trailer. My theory is is that people will be taken over by ghosts and possessed and like on a mass scale and maybe some kind of mind control. If you think about in. Um, in Batman, when uh, the Riddler and Two-Face have that kind of mind control through the TV and they're using it to, like, absorb power and make themselves smarter and whatever, maybe it'll just be simply, like, a kind of green fuzz floating around people's heads and, uh, you know, taking over people's bodies. Maybe the ghosts come back to life via, you know, possession. Get to be uh, whole again, get to be human, get to do things... Um, that's kind of the way I'm I'm seeing it, but um, for me the 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 threat and who the villain is in this film is going to sell it for me. The the biggest thing I, I I just don't know this group. I haven't seen Bridesmaids. I haven't seen any of the director's previous films. I haven't seen too many of the um, actors who were in Ghostbusters. I haven't seen the films that they've been in prior to this. Um, Ghostbusters was really made from a group of people from Saturday Night Live. You know, so it's like Mike Myers making uh, Austin Powers. That was like a sketch in his um, when he was doing Saturday Night Live. And I, I can't say I grew up with... Um, with Mike Myers' group, but I do know of their other works, and that's why Ghostbusters was so impactful. That, we were born in the right time for it, and everything like that. I just feel like I'm going to go into Ghostbusters really missing a lot of the jokes. Like, I don't understand where all these actors are coming from because I haven't seen Bridesmaids, I haven't seen anything. I'll try to watch it prior to watching Ghostbusters so I can get into that mindset, but just with how busy I am, I don't think I'll be able to. For me, I've seen all these actresses before uh, i have watched them on snl uh saturday night live which is where they've bred you know their comedy skills here's the thing kristen wig is very funny although she's now moving into more serious dramatic roles so uh hopefully she's still very funny and dramatic in this looks like she'll be the you know the leader if you will melissa mccarthy who I think is very hit and miss. Um, there's times I think she's fantastic and other times I'm like, eh, that wasn't that funny. So she could go either way. Kate McKinnon is the blonde. And um, when she first burst onto SNL, I was like, who is this person? She has crazy eyes. And she has since grown on me a lot. Uh, everything I've seen of her, she's been much funnier. And like, I think she's really developed into a very, very funny actress. But Leslie Jones... Some of the skits I've seen that she's done, she's forgotten lines and been prompted. And she says every line in SNL very aggressively. And I guess the problem with that is that she has kind of one level of comedy. It's this kind of shouty, aggressive comedy. And uh, I haven't quite found her funny yet. She plays very kind of physical characters and and just it's unprofessional i suppose when you have one line or two lines in a skit to forget it i realize it's live television and things happen and you know there's a certain level of forgiveness for it but i'm not sure on her character at all just because of i haven't enjoyed her comedy uh on snl as much so i'm going in kind of hot and cold with the actors for me the plot is going to sell this movie to me one way or another it's going to be interesting though because Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray are supposed to be in it so oh great okay cool obviously not Harold Ramey or Ramis uh you know with him passing away and that for me really closed the window of the fact they should have ever done this but we'll see yeah a lot of people say the third one is the video game mm. which I, I've only played the Wii version and it is fantastic yeah I've played that as well absolutely 
Yeah, I loved it. I played it with a friend who was a huge Ghostbusters fan, and how the game is portrayed, your Ghostbusters just just newbies, not like new guys that are hired, so you're just hanging out with the Ghostbusters, and they banter back and forth, and they go, hey, new kid, come over this way, help me with the trap, and so you come over helping with the trap. It was one of the greatest gifts, like, ever. For a Ghostbusters fan, that was, like, the greatest closure. To, to play a game or to go Ghostbusting with the Ghostbusters, I, I couldn't ask for more. It was so incredible. Well, we will be watching Ghostbusters when it comes out. Uh, it'll be a midnight screening in Australian time, so we're anticipating having that episode out before it's released in the US. So subscribe to us. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel. You can find that at podmeifyoucan.com. Uh, we're anticipating being one of the earlier reviews of uh, Ghostbusters. As well, August is going to be a big month for us. I just wanted to say we're going to have another month focused on just one actor. And in this case, it's an actress, a female actress who is also Australian. In the past, we have done uh, Michael Keaton month as well as Nicolas Cage month. So it's time for another month. And uh, we'll be revealing who that is uh, in the lead up to August. Feel free to drop guesses and tweet us who you think it should be, will be. And uh, August 1st, Australian time, we'll, we'll announce the, who it is and first episode will go up. Uh, Lloyd, Independence Day Resurgence uh, is probably going to prompt a couple more movies. I'm feeling a part one, part two situation. But then I really hope that's the end of this franchise. It's left a bad taste in my mouth. I don't know. <laughs> Same. I kind of hope they just pull the plug on it. Like, you know how we're not getting a Spider-Man 3 anymore? Well, an amazing Spider-Man, yeah. And uh, Sorry, the amazing Spider-Man 3. And that whole end part of the amazing Spider-Man 2 builds up to a Sinister Six showdown, which we're probably never, ever going to see. I I just feel like that's the case with Independence Day. The studio will just abandon it. Yeah, or we will get that direct-to-DVD movie that this felt like it should have been well and terminated genesis as well builds up to a sequel which they've abandoned as well i mean the only good thing terminated genesis has going for it in terms of another movie if they did terminated genesis 2 is that and we did a whole episode about this people can find is the fact that arnie looks older and can be older in this franchise that you can continue to have arnie in it but that's the other thing. How long do you want to have Arnie in it? Do you want an old man walking around acting like a Terminator? Like, at some point, you have to retire his character, kill off his character, give him another thumbs-up best death and, you know, uh, retract him down into some lava. I mean... N- not only that, the movie showed you can have a young Arnie as well, just as a cyborg. Yeah, but... As he fought himself. But, I mean, Terminators can look like anyone. So, just cast somebody new. Just reboot the who the terminator is it's easy all right well um that was independence day resurgence you can find more from us as i said at podmeifyoucan.com and uh links to us on twitter if you want to drop us a line about how much you loved william fitchner or judd hirsch or how brett spiner didn't die and that he was in a coma and that we missed something uh you can find us on twitter and uh we will see you next week for ghostbusters hit it Listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favourite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com.